0: What I, I'd like to educate a little bit more to the common parent of, of otherwise normally developing children is to kind of notice some of those not-so-in-your-face um, pathologies or, or functional limitations um, so that they know when to bring it up to their doctors and decide when they it, PT might be a good option for them and for their child.
1: All right. Welcome back to another Valley Health Check with Horizon Health. And I believe today we are going to talk a little bit about physical therapy. And we have a special guest here. And it's always a pleasure to see Erin Frank. Hello. Hi,
2: Kevin. Good to see you. Today I brought with me Danielle Colvin. She's a doctor of physical therapy. She works out of our main campus in Paris in our um, pediatric services area. So she works in the whole rehab department. But pediatric services is where we're going to really hone in on this morning.
1: Okay. And one of the first things I I see. By the way, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. for coming. You. We appreciate having you we for this segment. Thank you for having us. And we encourage you to not only listen to this segment, if you notice when you go to the podcast page, you can cycle through many wonderful topics and things. So I want to get that quick little. Yeah, plug in there's there all kinds of stuff
2: out there to check out.
1: <laughs> and you can literally leave it running. But it will go back to back. I mean, you'll be, uh, I think you'll actually have a course in college on medicine. <laughs> no, that's not true at all. Uh, but let's talk a little uh, physical therapy. Now, Sorry. what What's the difference between PT and DPT?
0: Well, they're the same. I'm not sure. Yeah, they're yeah. one and the same. They're both um, physical therapists that can examine and set up a plan of care for patients. The distinguishing factor is that a DPT has a doctor of physical therapy. So in a PT would be a bachelor's or a master's degree. They both get their degrees from a credentialed accredited program and have to pass the board certified examination. So. Okay. But all the programs now internationally are transitioning to dpt's at this point so if if, uh, somebody's interested in the career of pt it'll they'll come out with a dpt at this point
1: okay that's interesting Mm -hmm. evolution yeah that is it
0: used to be bachelor's then it became a master's now it has become a it makes
1: sense okay well what does a doctor of physical therapy do basically
0: So yeah, if you if you're seeing a DPT or a PT, what we're going to do is we're going to see you on that day one. We're going to do a full assessment of all your systems, um, do a full examination, look at strength, flexibility, um, get background medical history, look at your posture. You know, all your movement patterns. And then we will develop a plan of care honed in and custom to what your functional needs are and where your pain is. To so. benefit
1: you the most. Exactly. For that particular yeah. Person. So
0: every, everybody's plan is different.
1: I, I can mm-hmm. only imagine. Now, what kind of patients, I guess, do you see? Is it just a certain kind of just a narrow type of well, patient? Well, I, s- I specialize not in... Not a narrow patient. That didn't come
0: <laughs> out. Yes. Yes, they're yes all we see certain. narrow patients, not narrow not patients. patients.
2: Here, <laughs> uh, sure. Um,
0: yeah. All, all of the above. We see. I specialize in orthopedic um, physical therapy. I'm a board, okay. board certified orthopedic specialist. So I, I tend to see a lot of the athletes, the runners. But again, I see pediatrics and I've also have this new skill set of doing dry needling. Um, and then I do um, TMJ. So temporal jaw pain. For, oh, for patients
1: too. Actually, that's interesting. But I there's, had an that, issue years back yeah. where I grinded my teeth mm-hmm. and really created pain. That'll get you. Lasted yeah. for a while. No more, thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, so it's not just athletes. It's, it's
0: not. No, we have other specialty areas of lymphedema, vestibular disorders, um, uh, Parkinson's program that has been very effective oh, for patients awesome. with Parkinson's. And then we all see post-stroke individuals. Neurological. Yeah, uh-huh. Neurological.
1: Uh, You know, just talking these just first few minutes, you you see the realm and Mm -hmm. kind of the umbrella of all the physical therapy is. I think it's... You know, for me, speaking of narrow or naive, you think uh, mm-hmm. just athletes or the physical, Yeah, you know, the, the people yeah. that are so athletic or-, or well,
0: That's most of our reality, you right, know, right. of what we see of, of, but of course, that's just outpatient orthopedic. Um, you see inpatient, you see neuro, re So there's there's all sorts of other right. domains of physical therapy that is beyond even.
1: Now, you know, we talk about all the different people that you see. What about Kids.
0: Yep, we see kids. Any any child under eighteen um, is considered a pediatric case. Now, okay, yeah, in orthopedic, um, there are a lot of physical therapists that will see you know a an, an elbow fracture or an, a knee pathology, and it doesn't have to be a pediatric specialist. But when we're talking about a pediatric physical therapist, I think that's what we're going to get into a little bit more today.
1: And when I think about you know someone that's coming going to see you, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think of a kid. Just because there's not that much wear and tear, you're not as Mm -hmm. active Mm -hmm. yet, maybe. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. what do kids need physical therapy for?
0: So there is a there is a very broad spectrum. Um, a lot of the neurological, like the hereditary or congenital problems, are cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, or any other again hereditary neurological thing that leads to spasticity of your muscles, which means the muscles can't contract and relax like yours and I. Okay. Interesting. And we we have very we have to use different um, facilitation techniques. A lot of education of to parents on developing a home program. But those parents, they are know their child has special needs and that they're going to need these these added disciplinary interventions, physical therapy, OT speech a lot of times. What I, I'd like to educate a little bit more to the common parent of, mm-hmm. of otherwise normally developing children is to kind of notice some of those Not so in your face um, pathologies or or functional limitations um, so that they know when to bring it up to their doctors and decide when they PT might be a good option for them and for their child.
2: That's where it gets super interesting for me, right? Like yeah. it, just raising kids, you wouldn't think that um, there'd be little little quirks you needed to watch for to, mm-hmm. to help guide your kid in that direction if necessary, right? So, what are what are some things notice that you noticed before? I, we've had conversations about just watching kids play at a park, mm-hmm. and and you can kind of pick things out watching kids play at a park. Wow. So
0: early on, um, I always like my my parents out there, or my friends, or anybody you know that um, is looking to to me for some guidance Um, torticollis is one of the earlier stage um, things that parents are going to start noticing, which is a a certain head tilt, which everybody kind of has a little preference of a head tilt side to side. When it happens in an infant, though, it's a it's a tightening of a muscle that if it's not addressed, it can lead to other developmental delays. It's a neck muscle that's tight. It's called the sternocleidomastoid muscle. Um, It leads to a side bend of the child's head in one direction and a rotation in the opposite direction. But what that leads to, too is only rolling one way only paying, att- paying attention to their field on one side. So they only use one arm more. Um, crawling, they only lead with one arm. Sometimes they hitch one side up so that they can accommodate the mm-hmm, the, the neck tightness. Tight- tightness. Yeah. So if we can address that early on and get that working in good symmetry, then the rest of the developmental cycle falls into place smoothly mm-hmm. without the need for that. So that's one condition that parents... Like to know about so in that condition, you're talking baby baby. <laughs> baby babies, yeah. I'm I I think I have a two month old on my schedule tomorrow for oh. a tortoise. Wow. Yeah. That is
2: very interesting. That wasn't me. even on my radar. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, I gotta say, hearing this, you know, uh, understanding and noticing these things and seeing the right people right out of the gate, I think is mm-hmm. so, so important. Now, let's say someone's listening to this, mm-hmm. it's a parent, they might have noticed what we're talking about. What is their next step?
0: talk to your pediatrician yeah talk to your family practitioner pediatrician mention your concerns and get the ball ask, rolling yeah if you get will. the ball rolling be an advocate for your child we all do that all the time Most of course definitely. but sometimes you yeah, that small little glimpse, um, the pediatricians will bring it up to parents. But, you know, if you're already noticing those things at home, bring it up, say, say you're concerned. And a lot of times they'll send you on over to a a physical therapist. Sometimes it's more involved and we need to see that patient over and over and over again for you know a few weeks, maybe a few months. Sometimes it's a pretty mild case and it just takes one time assessment, a lot of education of parents of what to do at home, certain stretches to do. And it's a kind of check back as needed type of situation for these parents. So it's it's just kind of case
1: dependent. And and I can only assume that you've seen some of these cases to where due to physical therapy and by parents working at home in this, you've seen, I don't want to say a happy ending, you know, but, yeah. but things Correction. get so much better yeah. for that child. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. and And parents... Yeah, we we leave we discharge the patient with yeah they're hitting all the their milestones awesome. at the appropriate ages they're doing it in a neutral position of their head and neck they're not they don't have a, a side preference and everybody is happy and then the you know then that baby just continues to develop completely Blossoms normal no words, no idea dead. would never know that they ever had a a, a torticollis but it's um, kind of mm-hmm. a
1: team effort the parent has to be aware oh, right. yes. Uh mm-hmm. then go to the next step and then work and a, with the physical therapist yeah. uh, hand in hand. To be on the yeah. same page, yeah, and, and
0: so so much of a team effort. So so much is placed on the parent that already has everything else new that's going on. So right. my parents have been just amazing at, um, at assisting with the process. And we only see the babies usually one time a week. So it, it is very, very much Mm -hmm. in the hands of the parents to do the follow-up care at home.
1: Very good. So Mm -hmm. like going back just a little bit, if if there's a parent or, or someone that has some concerns, first go to their doctor, that's Mm -hmm. how they get things started. The pediatrician yeah, and Mm -hmm. then go from there. Mm -hmm. So.
2: So, so that's babies.
0: Yeah. And, uh, another one with babies and they'll know this when the baby comes out for labor delivery, but is like a brachial plexus injury. Sometimes that happens if the shoulder and shoulder dystocia I have or heard of that. Um, yeah. So they just don't use one arm as well. But again, we we catch them up and then they go on living life to completely normal after that. So, uh-huh. but that's one they usually know coming out of the hospital that they're gonna need some physical therapy right, for after, their birth. Child, right okay. after birth. Right after birth, so yeah, the, those those docs will will see that after that. Um, usually the a bigger orthopedic problem um, that that more education needs to be out there for is toe walking. Toe walking is is not a normal part of development. Um, That is, there's usually some sort of underlying neurological thing going on. Yeah, and and that can be corrected, though. It's not something like lifelong, but what happens is that neurological need to go up on your toes and to feel that input, it leads to shortening of your heel cords, and that can turn into a surgical orthopedic problem, and that's what we
1: are trying to Mm -hmm. keep away from. So go see your doctor. I can't imagine if someone didn't Mm -hmm. get that checked out. Out and yeah that could make things worse in the future. The
2: thing that gets me about these things, though, are, you know, I've, I'm working on raising three kids and I wouldn't necessarily be alarmed by any of this. That's that's the tricky part about mm-hmm. parenting and that's yes. the point of the message today is to say, you know, there are little quirks that don't appear to be a big deal and aren't a big deal as long as we can acknowledge them and, and, and address them accordingly. Mm-hmm. So that's the tricky part because right now you're just talking about a kid that walks around on their tiptoes, right? Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. And, but, and- hey, I... I would still bring that up to your doctor. Yeah. I mean, is this normal? Yeah. Could this mean I mean, I but I'm that parent. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I, So I,
2: I, you and I are yin and yang. Uh, I don't bring, I don't, I'm always like, ah, it's a phase." Yeah, it's a, ah, it's a phase. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm, don't I'm, sleep it's a phase. Well, don't eat, it's a phase. Walk on your tiptoes, probably a phase. That's a good
0: <laughs> that is a good point because yeah. sometimes it is a phase. Sometimes yeah. they get excited, they go up on their toes, but then they can go back flat. And sometimes that clears up as they they achieve some behavioral. They they understand how to deal with their emotions differently, right, right. and so a lot of times it's at three is usually when we're noticing okay. if they're still toe walking at after three. That's super helpful. Then that is usually when they might need some involvement from okay. a professional, from
1: a PT. I, um, I'm, I'm the parent though. I'm going to bring it up anyway. <laughs> so that's okay. But at least we know. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And that is always. I I think that that parenting style is absolutely great too because yeah, pediatricians say again they. Only see them, and sometimes they only see them sitting on the table. Once they're in there, they They don't see them walking in. Mm -hmm. Um, So unless they're not, they're getting input from the parent on these concerns, then they won't know even to to address it. So. So it's it's always good to have that fluid conversation mm-hmm. with your pediatrician. Again to your point though, it could it it goes a lot of times under the radar. Mm-hmm. And then you face a 13, 14, 16-year-old that is still walking on their toes and cannot go flat. Oh. And then they they have to get heel cord lengthening, have to be casted, they have Surgeries. to do they have to do surgery. Oh. So yeah, it's it can be a big deal and it can change the social involvement of a child,
1: mm-hmm.
0: especially as they get older. You know, a a boy walking up on their toes, there's some other ramifications of that, you know. So um, you just don't want to make... you don't want to make. I mean, one, you don't want to have to have the surgery. Right. Two, you don't want to make things harder for these kids growing up. In this no, world. Right, so, you're right, um, right. So it's just
1: there's enough stuff they're dealing with these yeah. days. Right. And, mm-hmm.
2: Right. What else is there? Any other big one that we need to watch for? There's a, a couple other things. Or, coordinational stuff.
0: Okay. So coor- I, I would say that's another. That's kind of the the last thing I I feel like diagnostically. Your child just is falling a lot. Or just it doesn't have smooth movement patterns. Like you're noticing- Not very
1: fluid yeah, in your movement. Yeah, you know, some
0: of that's normal with young kids as they're trying to mature their, their gait pattern, their running pattern, their jumping pattern and all that coordinational stuff. But then as you're doing things and they can't repeat it or, you know, this is kind of a comedic spin on it, but Phoebe running in Central Park on the episode of Friends. If yeah. your <laughs> child is running like that yeah. and <laughs> they've continued to run like that, Despite you know you giving them some cues, that would be something. Okay, maybe we need to get some somebody with specialized eyes on them and try to break down these patterns mm-hmm. and figure out why they're not coordinating. And it and that can actually be changed pretty quick with some good core strengthening stuff, some recruitment pattern stuff, some timing sequencing things. That um, is so
1: interesting uh-huh. to me because I, I let's let's go back twenty years. You know, maybe, you know, the child's just clumsy. He's taken after you, Kevin.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's. But
1: yeah. it could be something more yeah. than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, and it could be something corrected very easily. That's, yeah. that's what I find mm-hmm. very yeah.
2: interesting. Well, and it makes me think of how we do community programming or, you know, before COVID, more community programming. And you guys commonly will bring in that obstacle course, mm-hmm. you know, to the kids, mm-hmm. to the kid community program events. And I'm like, oh, the obstacle course, that's so fun. Yeah. But I mean, for you guys, as you see kids go through that obstacle obstacle course, it's probably somewhat enlightening to mm-hmm. to watch how they, you know, go from jumping, hop, hopping to a scooter where they're pressing and then how running.
0: They, yes. How they take on those challenges and how they problem solve, how they how oh that didn't work that way let's let's figure out another way or how they how they compensate yeah how they use different ways of doing certain movement patterns to get the job done right but that really helps hone us in on where those treatment interventions need to kind of be placed for for those patients but sometimes it's just exposure and just exposing them to these different obstacles and challenges um and then they do it over and over again, and oh, all of a sudden they, they can do it now, you right. know? Um, it could be as
1: easy as that in some well, cases. Well, and,
0: and sometimes, yes. They, they don't think they can because they mm-hmm. can't do it. And then they choose not to, you know, right. and that's, yeah. a per- right. that's sometimes a personality trait, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. But in the comforts of a, of a room with mom or dad and physical therapists, try it again. Try it again. But if they were doing that out in their with their peers, sometimes mm-hmm. they go, oh, I can't do it. I'm not going right. to do it again. Right. It gets embarrassing. So then they don't take on those challenges and they don't figure it out, you know, whereas if we can see them mm-hmm. and work on that in a safe way environment, yeah, right. then they can figure it out and boost their confidence. They just go oh. on and they, they might decide, yeah, I do want to play that sport. Yeah. yeah. I do want to do that mm-hmm. thing, you know, I'm and in
1: gymnastics now. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well,
2: and the two things I think of are one, even as a parent, if you know, if you have an understanding that your kid needs something, it's sometimes, you sometimes need the reinforcement of a not parent. Mm. Does that make Definitely. sense? It makes a lot of so sense. So I think a lot about that. And then I also think about just the um, capacity that we know children have at a young age, right? Like the studies about teaching your kids a, a secondary language young. You know, they mm-hmm. are so absorbent, so to speak, at that it age. Is. They mm-hmm. do catch on so quickly at that age that it sounds like, it feels like to me, there's just a lot of opportunity there at yeah. um, catching it young. So,
0: So that's another awesome. thing. Just, you know going to your pediatrician my my child this is not working this this is not happening. They, this looks a little little different, a little off. Do you think physical therapy might help with with this child? So, the, again, another conversation.
1: And, and and that the open line of communication like it is with so many of these segments is so important, not mm-hmm. only with your pediatrician, but uh, with yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, be honest with yourself Be uh, and, and then get the ball rolling to get uh, things better for whatever the situation is.
0: Yeah. A lot of patients have those instincts or parents have those instincts and then they hush them, you know, right. Right like,
1: so easy to do. So
0: it's just don't challenge yourself so much. Don't second guess yourself so much and bring it up. You have something needs to be addressed there.
1: Well, Danielle, thank you so much for coming on Belly You're Health welcome. Check. And and I always at the end of one of these episodes, if I've learned a few things, I, I can only hope as much as the listener as well. And Aaron, always a pleasure. Of course, always check back for timely, wonderful episodes just like this. We're going to have you back in and specifically, I want to find out uh, what dry needling is. I know yes. it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with with sewing, yeah, at yeah. all, <laughs> does at all, not. But uh, thank you so much. Of course, myhorizonhealth.org, dot org always a great resource for anything yeah. you need, and of course, Valley Health Check online for you, absolutely free. Thanks, ladies. Yeah, Thanks, thank Kevin.
0: you, Kevin.